Hi, everybody. This is Charlie Guarino. Welcome to another edition of Tech Talk SMB. Today's meeting, I'm very happy to say that I'm with a, a friend, a business leader, and a thought leader in our IBMI community. It's Mr. Alex Reutemann, who is the CEO of Profound Logic. Alex, thanks so much for joining me here today. Thank you, Charlie. It's it's always a pleasure. It's always nice to talk to you. Thank you, Alex. You know, I have to tell you, Alex, I know your company's been around for 25 years, and I, I've known you, not all those years, but you know many of those years. And I have to say, one thing that I've always found very <laughs> interesting, I guess, is how you are different from many other CEOs that I, I work with, with some of my customers, for example. And what I mean by that is really how technical you are. Many CEOs, many business owners are not as technical or not, not nearly as technical as you are. You really are, even to this day, I think, very involved with technology. You're really hands-on because many CEOs just work with strategy, but you're much more hands-on, very highly technical. What do you say about that? I mean, talk about that. Give me some information about that, like how you see the future of technology and really how, you, how your role is at, at Profound Logic. Well, that that is very true, Charlie, and I'll take it as a compliment. I, I do like to kind of dig in there and understand what we're working with, especially the type of company that we are, where where we try to take our customers into the future and look to you know what what the future brings in terms of technology. I feel like uh, I have to, and I enjoy it. I enjoy getting in there and understanding, uh, you know, the various different technologies that are coming out. And uh, really being hands-on, I, I think, is necessary to do what, what we're doing. We were talking before this meeting started, Alex. And one thing that you mentioned caught my attention. And that is that in our industry right now, you know, the, the big buzzword, the big, big buzzword is modernization. We talk about that all the time, modernization, modernization. And then we talk about, well, I, I often say that modernization, that term is, is so overused and it's kind of lost its meaning. And I think that the roadmap nearly today, it should be focused on digital transformation. But you took it a step further and you threw a word at me that I had never heard before, but I think might even better encapsulate what, where we need to look. And it's the word futurize. Yes. So, so yes. what does that word actually mean? I, mean, I have some idea, obviously, but what does futurize mean? How do you futurize an application versus modernize an application? No, that's that's a great question. So a little while ago, we took a step back and we and we tried to try to determine what our brand is and kind of what what we do, and we realized that we are overusing this word modernization, which brings on the connotation that you're going uh, like from the past to the present, and uh, we realized that what we do is a little different. Is that we actively try to think about the future and the future technologies uh, that that are coming. Uh, so modernization kind of doesn't do us justice is what we figured. And so we coined this term futurization. We started using the word futurization because that better describes what we try to do. And, uh, you know, like the, the, all of the things that are happening with AI, we thought it was important. It was our identity, so to speak, to kind of jump in there and understand it and do so before everyone else does so that we can uh, you know, bring that knowledge to our customers and the people that we work with. So hopefully that gives you a sense of why 
we like the word futurize versus modernize, even though I think futurizing encompasses modernization to some extent, but futurizing is, is a bigger umbrella than just modernizing your applications. So a couple of things that you mentioned was AI. And that's, I think, a big reason why you're here today, why I asked you to, to invite you here today, because AI has really captured our imagination in so many different ways. I know for me, and I say this so many times to people, I'm as excited today about technology as I was when I first got into it, you know, how many years ago, because it's really, really has completely revolutionized, which is a funny word, I suppose, in IT, but revolutionized the industry once again. It's 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 yeah. changed it's yeah. changed the direction. I feel the same way as you do. I'm super excited with everything that's and and I sometimes I'm kind of shocked to see that others around me are, you know, some people are excited, but you also see people that are like, ah, this this is nothing interesting. And like, no, don't you see what this can do? And so I've been a big proponent of of this stuff ever since um I got exposed to GitHub Copilot. I don't know if you're if you've used the tool. But I got the tool and immediately I realized that, hey, this is different. This is not like your typical autocomplete. This this has some kind of intelligence in it that is way beyond that. And so I got super excited. I had to tell my entire team. I had to say, we got we got to get involved. We got to learn more about this. You know, in fact, we started at Profound like an AI meetup, an internal AI meetup where we get together and talk about AI and how AI is going to uh, change things, whether that's for how we do things or whether that's for uh, our customers and the, and the type of solutions that we bring to our customers. You know, Alex, that raises an interesting point. We, I think we, we are obviously in agreement about how excited we are about this new technology, but there's a concern in that there's a lot of hype about AI as well, and what it can do, what it cannot do today, and the perception of what it can do. And I think that that's can be disconcerting to a lot of people, but they're, they're afraid that this this is this all knowing, all powerful tool. Maybe it is. I don't know. But yeah, how do we separate the hype? You know, as, as far as what's being used today, how is it practical in today's applications versus the hype that's associated with it? Yeah, I think it is very important to understand what the limitations are. And this is where using the technology and, and playing with it and kind of you'll, you'll get a sense for it. You can't it's hard to describe in a sentence what all the limitations are. But as you start getting to use it, you'll you'll understand where it's strong and where it's weak. But I have seen that uh, a lot of people will uh, exaggerate the capabilities of of what AI can do. It, it can do a lot of a lot of interesting things. Uh, but it doesn't automatically, you know, replace all the humans or anything like that. And it's and at least at this uh, point in time, it's not like an AGI where, you know, it, it, it's sentient or and I and I guess I can't even argue whether, you know, depends on the definition. But but I don't see it, let's say, destroying the world. Well, not in the next whatever, a few years, not in the next few years. That's not where that that's not where this thing at. So that, that some of it has been exaggerated. Uh, so it's under it's important to understand uh, the limitations, but it's also important to understand you know what the real concerns can be. Uh, it's it's a tool, and if if it's used by the wrong people, if it's in the wrong hands, hackers, for example, 
you know, they now have that much power if they can use AI. Uh, in fact, it's so uh, easy, for example, to Im impersonate someone uh, using AI. And, and this is something that you could perhaps do before AI, but AI just makes that type of stuff easier. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, ChatGPT recently uh, released this uh, voice capability. Have you tried that? No, but I have read about it. Again, it's fascinating and, yeah. and, and it makes your mind think about all the, the different possibilities of what it can do. Exactly. Yeah. No, no the, the interesting thing about that is it's not, I, I've, I've already gotten used to the language capabilities of the AI and how that, you know, it, it sounds intelligent, it sounds just like a human. But what they did with the with the voice, the voice itself sounds like a human to where, uh, you know, it will sometimes kind of like do a pause and a, like an um and, a, and and take a breath before it speaks to you. So you really feel like you're talking to uh, somebody human and, and it's hard to tell that that this is just an AI. So, yeah, that was I, I was super like when I when I got that capability, and I think what you need is like the you need the plus subscription and the, and the Chat GPT app on your on your phone. I was on this thing like for for hours just talking to it because it it was really cool. It, it I was excited to to see it. But anyhow, that's I'm I'm it's I'm sidetracking here. I can tell by your excitement how interested you are in this in this whole topic. How it's also again captured your imagination as well. So let's let's talk about. IBMI or business or even just business in general, how do you think or how do you see customers today using this technology as it stands today? Where do you see customers using this today in, in practical applications? Yeah, so that's one of the things that we thought to in investigate and kind of dive deeper into is, uh, is, you know, yeah, you've got this intelligent uh, large language model if you want to call it that, 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 you know, a tool that you're, that you're talking to, it can give you responses, but how do you integrate that into uh, your data? And so uh, the, the thing to realize is that the, the tool has API and here I'm talking about chat GPT, but that, that, you know, you can go, you can kind of say that this applies to other things, you know, there's other um, models out there. There's like a company called Anthropic. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but they're comparable to ChatGPT and their capabilities. And then there's also open source models. But at the end of the day, you can interface with these models through API or programmatically. And that's that's the rabbit hole you got to go uh, down. And um, so so like one uh, very simple example, and it came out of one of those uh, like AI meetups that we were doing internally within the company is um, you can, for example, ask the API through the API, you can kind of build this like business intelligence uh, tool that you can communicate with through natural language. And that was very simple to implement. So you're basically saying, hey, here's a query from the user. Given this database, translate that query to a SQL statement. And then we go ahead and run that SQL statement and present the data to the user. So we we built a little tool, which I, I can see that being applicable uh, you know, for, for customers where like you can talk uh, to, um, yeah, you can talk to your application and you can ask it questions about your orders, about your inventory or whatever, just using your own, uh, just using language, not not having to know SQL, not having to know field names or, or column names, table names, all of that. 
So while you were talking just now, I was making some notes and you threw out some terms that I think it's worth just pointing out and just expanding upon. And the first one you said was the large language model. And I hear that's a term I hear all the time. I also hear it as LLMs. I hear that. I hear that abbreviated sometimes as well. But what exactly is a large language model in, in this context? Yeah, so interesting uh, that back, you know, prior to this, uh, to these large language models becoming popular, ev everyone thought that oh, you, you know, to use AI, you kind of have to train, uh, you, train it with your own data, and you know, kind of get into the neural networks. But uh, what, what's interesting is that these huge models have been created. Uh, these neural networks that encompass a whole bunch of knowledge, you know, from the internet, I'm sure they, they scraped a whole bunch of data to put this together and inherent in it is, you know, a, a form of intelligence. It's, it's something that can be creative. It can deduce things. So it's not kind of like just like looking things up in a database, which is how we think of computing in a traditional sense. There's, there's kind of an intelligence to it. So uh, so that within itself, by starting to use this, these large models that that have been built on huge servers with many many parameters, and like um, you know, build, building something like this for me or for an individual it would be impossible. But using uh, something that was already pre-built and it kind of has a whole bunch of knowledge um, really opens up the doors for for all kinds of applications. And it's just that it has an innate intelligence is one way to describe it, rather than a very specific, you know, set of data that was encoded into it. I know through my own reading and everything that based our customers are using, you know, APIs everywhere, you know, we are in what's, you know, what we call the API economy. And certainly APIs are and you mentioned it also, you mentioned APIs as well, right in here. If you're going to be working with this technology at all, you need to really be using API. I mean, APIs is the way to connect. That That's our, yeah. that's yeah. that's foundational at this point. Yeah. And in the, in the previous example that I mentioned, that was the example of consuming the API. So going to the chat, you know, the large language model, something like ChatGPT, and the same thing that you would do using the browser interface when you're working with it, you could do through an API, you can do programmatically. But there's another way to approach this as well is that you can create your own API that, that allows access perhaps to your IBM I data and, and you've got to be security conscious when you, when, you do, when you do all that and depending, you know, control what you want to expose. And then you instruct the large language model to use your API to answer various questions. So that's 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 kind of like the reverse approach uh, to doing the same thing. But but it's it's a concept of you can either consume an API or you can provide an API. And providing an API to a large language model that that provides information about your business can be very powerful. So again, this then allows you to uh, have a conversation or, or create an application that allows you to have a conversation with your applications and the large language model will on its own figure out how to call the appropriate API that you've exposed to it. And the other thing we talked about, Alex, was just, you mentioned was the training, the training of the platform itself. We talk about training and using, you said using your data perhaps or using public data, but what kind of, if someone wants to get involved in this, what kind of pre-training might they be looking at or as a requirement to get this off the ground? 
Yeah, so I, so I have a certain opinion on this, and a lot of people coming into this think, well, if we if we wanted to be knowledgeable about our unique business data, our proprietary business data, then we've got to train the AI to know about it. And uh, the traditional word, you know, to train a model kind of implies, uh, at, at least in the AI circles, that you're training something from the ground up, and that can be applicable sometimes. But what I find is that in in most cases, you don't need to do that. You can start with a with an existing large language model and then use it in the two different ways that you can use it. You can either provide context uh, to it, uh, meaning just just like, well, let me give you an example of, of how context could work. Let, let's say you wanted to uh, ask a question that is a very technical question. Let's say it's about RPG programming. So as context, you could provide the RPG manual to the large language model. So here's a manual. Now answer this question that I have about RPG programming. So that context uh, can, can just be kind of inserted into the conversation. Here I have a manual, answer some questions from it. Now, uh, currently that context window is what they call it. How much context you can provide can be limited. Uh, I think, uh, you know, the largest that I've seen is it's somewhere around 100,000 tokens which give or take as a as 100,000 words or so, which is still a lot. That can still be a book of information. Um, so, so that providing context is, is one way. And there are also like some clever ways of, if you have more than 100,000 uh, words of information that you want to provide as context, there are some clever ways where you can just kind of divide that up. So for example, I'm asking a question about RPG, but I'm specifically asking, uh, you know, about, record level access. Well, instead of providing the whole manual for that question, there are some clever ways where you can say, I have this whole manu manual, but search first search and subset the information to the stuff that relates to record level access. And then when I ask the question, only that context is provided from the manual. So this this whole idea of using context, I, I you can really get far with it. And I like that a lot more than starting to think about training your own model from scratch. But if, but if you do, uh, you know, at, kind of run into limitations with providing context, you can uh, either train a model, which again, I said that that's not really within reach for most people, but you can also uh, what they call fine tune a model means that means you're starting with an existing model, but then you're providing a whole bunch of example questions and answers and you do need a lot of data for it so th this is going to be a, a more difficult effort i believe compared to uh, that context concept but you can fine-tune an existing model again much easier than training something from the ground up uh, but yeah through fine-tuning you're actually modifying the weights of the model and then they're permanently stored as a new model so yeah to, to, so to summarize I don't know if training in the traditional sense is the best way for most people, but fine tuning or even better, in most cases, you can use that context window to get the to get, you know, the, your, your application to function the, the way that you want. Do you think fine tuning a model helps with uh, help reducing some of the bias that you're getting back from the from the platform itself? Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's exactly what the what the point of the fine tuning is. Um, but there, there's some gotchas. So it, it sounds great, uh, but there are some gotchas. And the, and the biggest one is that you do need 
quite a bit of information or quite a bit of examples, and you don't always have that. It could be labor intensive to yeah. to fine tune a model. Right, and because the you know, the data biases that you're getting are can, can give you misleading information. Yeah, yeah. On, on the way on the way back, so that's important to know as well. Yeah, and and uh, I I know we're going off on a tangent, but you, you mentioned like uh, information that you can't rely on, and and they use the word hallucinations. I don't know if you've heard of that term. The model is hallucinating; it's giving you uh, something that isn't true. Uh, and, and this is where we, we found uh, that creating uh, this concept of an AI agent that keeps the conversation going, but it, but when, you, when you're trying to integrate with your business data, it can be in an automated way. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example of one thing that we've done. So we've actually created an AI agent that can create COBOL and RPG programs. And, uh, you know, we've traditionally been in, in the business of uh, modernizing RPG applications, but more recently we've we've seen more demand for COBOL, so we're doing more with COBOL these days. And so we created a COBOL developer that that uh, or a COBOL developer AI agent, and it's a little different than going into ChatGPT and saying, "Here, I have this requirement. Write a COBOL program for it," because that would only be the first step. That program could be wrong; it could produce the wrong results, uh, but our agent, this whole concept of an agent that we that we've cr created, and it's not our concept. This this is a very common concept, but we were able to implement it with with uh, COBOL on IBM I. It will then compile the program, and if the compile fails, it communicates that back to the model and kind of keeps the conversation going, and in a little bit of a loop until the compile is right, and then it will proceed to the next step of running the code, and it ensures that the code runs as expected. So um, this concept of an agent and, and having some way of validating the output that comes back from a model is a good way to, you know, battle those hallucinations and and the the wrong information that might come from it. And I guess that would also apply to things like improving how SQL performs, in, improving yeah. the format of the SQLs, improving the the nature of the queries themselves, things like that to get better results or faster results, perhaps. Yeah, actually, for for one of our projects, for one of our projects, this is exactly what we've done. Is we've, uh, uh, you know, we've had a bunch of existing SQL that was uh, complicated and it wasn't formatted well. And by in mass for the entire application, by running it through uh, a large language model, we were able to, um, you know, fix up the formatting. Uh, optimize it, but at the same time, validate that it's giving us the right stuff. It's really amazing what this what this tool can do. Now, for, again, if it's something of ChatGPT, for example, another thing that comes to my mind is creating uh, test cases or use cases for your code. So we talk about creating code and then creating test cases actually to ver verify that the code itself is good. Yeah. Where, where have you seen that being used? How have you seen that being used? Yeah, so, so that, that entire... Um, the use case that I pro provided with creating an agent, we this is when we realized how important something like having an automated testing system in place would be. And, we, and we've been involved in you know, transformation projects. And, and just as part of that, we were uh, going deeper and deeper into implementing automated testing. And that's that's good overall. That's good 
whether you're using AI or not. Uh, but that was, but having automated testing and we've used various tools like uh, on the Node.js side, for example, we've used Mocha a lot, but if you start with kind of test-driven development and you develop your test first, that gives you the opportunity then at, to ask AI to fix code, write code. And the great thing is, is that it, if it messes up, that's okay. You can throw the, the bad results out or you can provide more feedback to it to keep working it until it gets it right. So the, so the idea of automated testing has been key in kind of getting the AI to work. Uh, and, it, and going back to that COBOL example, when we first started out this, this, this concept uh, of asking the AI to write COBOL programs, uh, I think it was something like in 90% of the, of the cases, the, the initial program that it would create was not the right one or, or it would fail. But it's through the conversation, it's through that refinement um, uh, that that the automated testing system in the, in this case, you can call it an automated testing system because it will automatically compile the code, run the code, verify that the output is what we expect. We were able to get the AI to go from a 90% failure rate to a 90% success rate. And the, and the nice thing is that the 10% where, where it couldn't finish the job, well, it just kind of escalated that to a human uh, to, to look into. And it wasn't that it you know, build bad code that was committed into our repos. You know, after hearing all these different things, and we haven't even talked about from the pure business perspective, we're talking about from a developer's perspective, but how do you see, or how do you explain to other CEOs how how AI can give them a real competitive advantage in the marketplace? How do you see that? Or how, how do businesses capture and harness this and use it to their advantage from a business perspective, not just from, from a developer's perspective? Well, I think at a high level, the statement that I can make is that if you don't embrace AI, then your competitors will. And it, and it may be, um, it, you know, it, it may take a little time and it may be, uh, it may take a little bit of investment, uh, especially at this stage, there's a lot being figured out. Uh, but I think you have to jump on the bandwagon. You can't you can't let this pass you by, because your competitors are are looking into this. And there are yeah there are many business business cases. You know the the BI example that I gave is one is one of them. Uh, you know we created a, a really interesting uh, you call we'll, we'll call it a proof of concept that w which is a copilot that sits on top of fifty two fifty applications. Uh, where as an end user, as you're using an application in a 5250 environment, if you're stuck and you don't know how to use something, which, which, is, which is common with, with older green screen applications because there might be you know, cryptic function keys or, or, or little abbreviated codes or, or whatnot, you can ask the copilot, how do I do this within this application? And it can guide you through it. And it can also, also do some of the actions for you. So, uh, you know, you have to take capabilities like that and distill it down to what are what are some areas of the business where this could be helpful or this something like this or something like the business intelligence example that I that I brought up earlier. What kind of advice could you give somebody who is just dipping their toe in the water in this whole process and they they know they 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 know they want to do this, they know they need to do this, but 
they don't even know how to start. What what would be a very good first step for somebody just to to get started? What's your first step and maybe a second step? How do you yeah. embrace this? So good question. So the first step I would say is is start using AI in your day to day. You you uh, I I think you'd be surprised on how much it can help. Um, so let's say you're you're a developer and this is an area that you know that we are kind of that's where we're uh, that's what we're dealing with day in and day out but if you're a developer and you're working on something uh get into the habit of you know be chat gpt or anthropic or, or one of the tools get into the habit of having ai be your companion and asking you questions oftentimes it can generate snippets of code for you so just using it is is the first is the first step and and i'm a proponent of you know, if you're using ChatGPT, you know, go ahead and get the Plus subscription. It's 20 bucks a month, but I think it's worth it because you're getting the latest and greatest tool. The models are smarter. Um, and, and specifically what I find like for RPG programming, the latest and greatest model just does a little better with RPG programming than, than the earlier one does. So that so that would be the first step is just make sure that you're, that you're using it on a regular basis. You know, a, a lot of um, folks kind of feel odd about it. And it is, you have to get through that hurdle. And it, it is odd in the beginning that you're you're asking it things and you're not going to maybe always get the right answers. So you kind of have to play with it and get a sense for how do I ask the question? Um, so that's, so I think that would be the, the first step is just start using it. And then uh, if you want to go deeper, I would say, look, at, look into the ChatGPT API. Um, the API is actually dead simple because at the end of the day, uh, what's important is the prompt and the API is simply sending over the prompt. There's a, there's a little bit more nuance to it, but at the end of the day, it's just sending over some messages, some free form messages, you know, in, in natural language. It's, it's that simple. So, uh, so start playing with it and, and see what you can do with it. And it's funny you mentioned the prompt, and that really, in my in my learning about AI as well, you know, the art of the prompt, and it's very fascinating to me how you can just use almost the same set of words, just rearranging them or tweaking the yeah. nuance, the nuance of them, and how you get a very different, very different response back from the engine. It's really fascinating. For sure, I, I learned a lot about the different ways to prompt. Um, and, and maybe this is a good opportunity for me to tell you about. Uh, so we built uh, something we call Alec. It's a, it's a Slack bot that answers questions about, it's it's an internal chat bot that answers questions about profound technologies, but not just uh, kind of customer facing information, even some of the stuff that's documented uh, internally. And so um, this is something that I was involved in developing, and the and the biggest effort was to figure out the prompt, the the coding, the actual programming, was less of an effort than figuring out what they what they call a system prompt, like the initial prompt that tells you what you do and and how you are. So we were messing with it and 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 then iterating and and trying it until it would answer questions in the way that we would want. So uh, so writing that free form text that natural language text was the biggest thing so you, you um yeah they call that prompt engineering and you just got to play with it and you got to get a feel for how the model works and how it's going to generate answers back to you based on your prompts yeah one of the things i was playing with it um we we were asking the same question but then we would add to the prompt 
respond as this person. Oh yeah. And That's it was it was so fascinating to see how the different responses, the same identical question in different different oh, yeah. in different personalities. It was it's just, just this technology again, this this goes back to how we started the conversation, why it's so exciting to me, because it's just it's such a game changer at, at its core. Yeah, that's actually a good a good trick. Sometimes you want to say, you know, answer this as if I'm in fifth grade, or answer this answer this as if I'm a PhD, and you will get different insights and different explanations. So depending on what what level of, of explanation you want from the model. Exactly. All right. So now I'm going to put you on the hot seat before we wrap this up. And uh, the hot seat is this has been out. For a, we'll call it a year. I mean, AI is not new, of course, but ChatGPT landed on the scene about a year ago, give or take, I think, and it's again revolutionized our technology in, in overall. In my opinion, is it even possible to come up with, with a prediction with any accuracy at all, short of asking ChatGPT? what the future is in the next five or 10 years or the next three, even the next three years. Is that, can we even predict that far out anymore? Or is it just, is it so exponential that we can't even begin to imagine it? I, I think that's, that's a very difficult question and it is difficult to predict. Um, but one thing that I, I can say for certain is that it is something that's going to be part of our lives. It's going to make an impact. We just don't know how fast it's going to grow. We don't know exactly how fast it's going to grow. Uh, we don't know the exact impact it's going to have. We don't know which jobs are going to be affected and how, but we know there's going to be big shifts. I I, I can say that with certainty. And it's literally in every aspect of our lives, from, from household appliances to cars to our smartphones and, and and anything else you can in between it's 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 already there and and all these things are going to use ai if they're not using it today they're going to be using it very soon in the future yeah yeah absolutely uh yeah you mentioned cars and my my eyes lit up because i'm a big fan of self-driving cars and i've been i've been playing with that forever um and i i love how that's progressed uh yeah my my car now gets me from place to place and no, no matter what anyone says, it's it's a big convenience feature for, for me. Although I, I do scare a lot of people that are passengers. They're like, no, you got to pay attention. <laughs> how, how, how soon before you're ready to sit in the back seat and, by yourself and have the car bring you somewhere? Well, um, it, you know, I think that's a that's a big hump because even though the car today can get me from place to place, um you know, most of the time without me interjecting, but the edge cases are going to take a long time. So I, I don't think that's like coming super soon. Well, you know, you have guys like Elon making promises, but I, I, I don't think it's coming like really soon. I think it's going to be a while before you're going to trust it that much. And, and of course, there's also, uh, you know, all the safety regulations would have to sort of approve that. And I don't see that moving too fast. We're not quite there yet. Hey, Alex, this has been such a great discussion. Thank you so much. This is this topic is just so fascinating. This is a, a topic that I just love I love talking about. It's just, it's wonderful. So thank you very much for your time today. It's been a, a lot of fun, a real treat and a lot of fun to uh, to sit here with you and uh, and chat, no pun intended, chat about <laughs> AI.
Well, thank you, Charlie. It's it's also a pleasure for me. It, this is a topic that excites me very much. So I'm really glad that you brought me on and you had this conversation with me. Terrific. Thanks so much, Alex. For everybody else listening, by all means, please visit the Tech Channel website. They, they have so much great content on there. You'll be far better off, I promise you. And also, as Alex did suggest, uh, definitely consider opening up an account with ChatGPT or one of the other platforms. You will not be sorry that you did. And this is a great technology to get involved with. Until next month, everybody, take care. We'll speak to you soon. Bye now.